Welcome to the Take Your Apprenticeship podcast. The Take Your Place team is made up of five universities and nine further education colleges from across the east of England. We are an impartial project dedicated to giving you the information you need, regardless of where you are applying to study. Since 2017, we have worked with over 30,000 students from 100 different schools, colleges and sixth forms, helping them to explore their options and discover their potential. Now we hope to help you too. In this podcast series, we will explore all aspects of finding, applying for and succeeding in an apprenticeship. Through talking to experts and current apprentices from a variety of industries, we will help you explore your future apprenticeship options. My name is Kip Rackley and my pronouns are they them and I am a Nico Higher Education and Apprenticeship Champion for Take Your Place. Today for the podcast, we will be reviewing National Apprenticeships Week. This took place on the 8th of February to the 12th of February 2021. We will be given some highlights of what we offered during the week. You'll find out about our National Apprenticeship Week YouTube videos, which contained hints, tips and facts, which you can watch in just a few minutes. We'll talk about the kind of questions that we got in during our drop-in sessions, things of interest that your fellow students or parents carers might have asked. And we'll also give a few clips from our live sessions with special guests. During National Apprenticeships Week, we hosted some snippet info videos on our YouTube channel, and one of them was a general information about apprenticeships. So let's have a listen into that. Apprenticeships are a work-based pathway to gaining a higher education qualification. How are they structured? The best way to think of it is as a triangle. So there's you, the apprentice, then there's the employer, that's who your contract is with and they provide you with all of the on-the-job training. And then finally, there's the training provider and they teach the theory behind the qualification that you're going to gain at the end. That was my Nico colleague, Rio. One of the other videos was about myth busting. The first myth we busted was surely apprenticeships are only just for hairdressing or construction, aren't they? While the apprenticeship sector does have big areas in engineering construction like you might expect, it does go way beyond this. Many areas include business, admin, support, accountancy, marketing, IT and many other areas. Last year, for example, in 2020, some of the biggest apprenticeship employers included the British Army and Navy, HM Revenue and Customs, BET, Sainsbury's, HSBC and the NHS. And aren't apprenticeships just unpaid work experience? Absolutely not. In fact, you earn while you learn. At the end of 2020, the minimum wage for apprentices was £4.15 an hour. However, it is not uncommon for companies and organisations to pay more than this. The government funds 90% or more of each apprenticeship place, meaning there are no training or tuition fees to worry about, meaning that students will gain their qualification without student loans or student loan repayments. And what about this misconception and myth that apprenticeships are valued less by employers than university degree courses? The training apprentices receive is tailor-made and comes direct from the experts in their industry who help them better understand their chosen career and the skills that they need to benefit both the student's professional development and the need of the employer. Apprenticeships can lead to the highest achievements resulting in degree level qualifications, level six and seven apprenticeships, for example, are the equivalent 
of bachelor's or master's degrees. And the final myth we dispelled was that apprentices have fewer responsibilities than their fellow employees. The lower level apprenticeships, so that's intermediate level two and advanced level three, may have fewer responsibilities. Now that's because they're equivalent to GCSEs and A-levels and they're a good way to test the water to see whether or not you'd want to go on to do a higher or degree level apprenticeship. But once you do get onto those higher level apprenticeships, you will have many more responsibilities that are at least the same level as your fellow employees. And these may include things such as paying clients, leading teams, and even being involved in the decision-making processes. A massive thanks to Becky, Will, Charlotte and Emily who gave us those myth-busting facts. For more apprenticeships myth-busting, you can go back to the very first episode of this podcast. Let's now listen to Fred Bocchetti Dunn. She is School Engagement Coordinator with Ask Apprenticeships. Fred was our live guest on Tuesday and she gave a session about what apprenticeships are and how they work, how you find an apprenticeship and what opportunities were locally, signposting to different resources and how COVID-19 has been affecting apprenticeships. Let's have a listen. So what is an apprenticeship? So an apprenticeship, you need to treat it like a real job because that's pretty much what you're going to do. So with an apprenticeship, you are combining work experience and education into one big package. Okay, so you'll spend 80% of the time at work, working for a real employer and doing an actual job. And then 20% of the time you'll be studying for um, a college or university or a training provider. So as I said, you are combining both work experience and education when you do an apprenticeship. So you'll be working for a real employer, which means that you will have a contract of employment. Okay, so that includes things like salary, holiday, sick pay, time off to study. You will have lots of support and training from your employer who will make sure that you are trained in your role as well as lots of support from your training providers. So you'll have a tutor that will support you um, and um, guide you throughout your apprenticeship on the, on the education side, okay? Now, the minimum amount of work is usually 30 hours a week, and then you also have a drop day, as I said, um, where you will be doing your studying. It's really rewarding and there are some great benefits from doing an apprenticeship. However, you have to be very responsible when it comes to doing an apprenticeship because it's like a real job. You need to treat it as such. Therefore, you need to make sure that you attend every day to work and you also attend college as well. Um, and um, you will have real responsibilities and you have to do real work. OK, so it's a little bit different from college or university. Um, it's still a lot of work, but there are some great benefits. Now, for those of you who are post-18, there are also opportunities to relocate. So some big employers may ask you to move around the UK or even abroad. Um, of course, if it's post-16, you may need to wait a little while. Um, but there are some amazing opportunities. Um, of course, it's not an easy route to take. Apprenticeships are really hard work when you search for them, when you apply and when you actually go through the apprenticeship. So don't necessarily think it's an easy route to pick. Um, you can have backup plans, of course. So if you are um, thinking you're not sure, always have a backup plan such as college and university, especially if you're not sure exactly what you like to do. You can still um, fill out your UCAS application with your university choices and then you can also apply for apprenticeships separately. That way you've got both options open and you can pick and choose once you get your results. Um, so make sure you explore both of those. Now, there are lots of different apprenticeships available. 
So there are about 170 different sectors. That's about 150,000 job roles you can do through an apprenticeship and more are coming out. So as time goes on, more and more are coming out. Now, because of the pandemic, I'll be really honest with everyone. For some fields, it's been a little bit difficult. So if you are looking, for example, in the travel or hospitality or retail, those fields unfortunately have been badly affected because of COVID. So at the moment, you will find that there's a shortage of those kind of apprenticeships. Um, it's just where a lot of employers have paused the recruitment process. OK, doesn't mean it's the end. They will come back and they will probably take on apprentices in the future. But at the moment, there isn't a huge amount of those available. But other employers have grown a little bit because of COVID, such as the pharmaceutical companies, the um, IT digital ones, um, um, big employers such as Amazon, for example, they're taking on a thousand apprentices. So some employers are doing really well and they're taking on a huge amount of apprentices. So some fields have really developed because of um, COVID in a way, which doesn't sound great, but um, they have managed to grow. So definitely worth looking at and exploring what your options are. Also, because of the current situation, you will find that there are some new roles that never existed before. So again, don't be thrown off by the job title. Have a look at what they are and do the research as well and you may find out the perfect job for you. High-end degree apprenticeships are really great. They're becoming really popular and they are amazing. Um, so a lot of universities are now providing these. So a lot of great top universities are now um, doing high-end degree apprenticeships. So you will still be working full time and studying part time. You still get lots of work experience in the fields that you're interested in, and you'll also be studying for a degree. It's absolutely amazing. Now, the difference is it does take a little bit longer, so it can take between four to six years to complete. OK, so it does take longer because you are working full time and studying part time. So bear that in mind. And also, um, the other difference with the higher end degree apprenticeship from a full time apprenticeship, uh, sorry, for a full time degree is that with the higher end degree apprenticeship, you do not apply for student finance loan or a maintenance loan. OK, so you won't have to pay any debts, which is absolutely amazing. So it's all funded by the government and the employer but you will have to live with the salary that you earn from your apprenticeship. So if you don't earn a huge amount to begin with, you may not be able to relocate quite that far. So do bear that in mind, differently from university where they offer you um, a place to live. With apprenticeships, you probably have to find your own place to live and you'll have to pay for those bills on top of that as well. So do bear that in mind when you're doing your research. So as I said, it's a little bit different. You have to be very responsible when it comes to an apprenticeship because you're working, but also all these other factors to consider like location, traveling, logistics, where you're going to live, how you're going to support yourself. So those are really important because you won't get paid any extra if you don't live at home, OK, or for commuting. So do bear that in mind when looking at apprenticeships. That was Fred from Ask Apprenticeships. On the Monday, we talked to Daniela Lord and Officer Matt Breeze about the apprenticeships that you can do with the police at Norfolk and Suffolk Constabularies. You may be surprised to hear that the police force offer apprenticeships but they want to be able to represent and engage with the communities that they serve. And so it is vital that the police force are as diverse and inclusive as possible. The key message that Daniela gave that by joining the police, you'll be able to serve your community by reducing crime, protecting vulnerable people and serving the community in general. It is a very intense apprenticeship involving a lot of transferable skills. 
Can you work well with others? Can you remain calm and patient under pressure? Are you able to flexibly work different shifts? You could be working nights, long days, over holiday periods and weekends. Are you able to deal with traumatic situations and deal with complex and sensitive cases? And can you build up resilience for a physically, mentally and emotionally demanding role? There are, there are four entry routes into the police force, but the most relevant for students is the non-degree holder pathway. This is a degree apprenticeship that lets you earn while you learn. The police pay for your professional policing degree while you study, while working, and this is called the Police Constable Degree Apprenticeship, or PCDA. This takes three years to complete with both on and off the job learning, and on successfully completing the programme, you will pass your probation and achieve a degree, a BA Honours in Professional Policing from Anglia Ruskin University. If you're considering joining the police, visit joiningthepolice.co.uk and search for Is Policing Right For Me? There is an online quiz that you can take to test your mettle. If you're ready to check for current vacancies at Norfolk and Suffolk Constabularies, you can visit suffolk.police.uk slash join hyphen us or norfolk.police.uk slash join hyphen us. Two of our previous podcast episodes focus more on the uniformed services. Episode 22 covers more about the police officer degree apprenticeship with Norfolk and Suffolk Constabularies. And episode 23 gives a perspective from an apprentice surveillance officer. Another employer who joined us for National Apprenticeship Week was Balfour BT. And to tell us more is their liaison manager, Nikki Payne. So I don't know whether anybody's heard of Balfour BT, and if you've heard of us, if you know what we actually do, but we're a leading international infrastructure group, and that means that we're basically making sure that the world around us is working. And that means the roads that you travel on, the power that lights up your house, the water you drink, and the buildings around you. We've got 26,000 people working for us at the moment and we've got our main um, areas of are in the UK, the US and Hong Kong. We work in transport, power and energy, water and social infrastructure. So some of the projects we're involved with, um, so we work in rail, um, we build bridges, we modernise stations, we maintain track across the UK including London Underground and we provide award-winning technolo technology solutions. I find that word really hard to say. Um, in power and energy, we renew gas networks, we construct new wind farms, we build nuclear power stations and we light up whole cities. So I don't know if anybody's heard of, of um, Hinkley Point, but we are basically um, involved with Hinkley Point C. Um, in water, we hold back rivers, we construct super sewers. So if anybody's heard of Thames Tideway project in London, um, we work on, we're working on that at the moment. We provide better flood protection. So obviously the project that I'm involved with in Kings Lynn, and we upgrade water systems, which supply millions of homes. In social infrastructure, we build schools and universities, we construct hospitals, um, we basically built the London Aquatic, Aquatic Centre, we um, up, were involved with the transformation of the Olympic Stadium, Any anything locally, so anybody in, in Norfolk, if they're aware of RAF Marham and the works that went on there to um, welcome the F-35 jet in, we, we basically um, constructed three buildings um, for that project. We enrich cities and we strengthen communities. So at Balfour BT, we passionately believe that young people are our future. We're members of the 5% Club, and that's um, a club that was basically um, one of the founding members of that was our current CEO. Um, the 5% Club is a commitment to ensure that at least 5% of our workforce comprises of trainees, apprentices and graduates. 
So last year we saw a 30% rise in our emerging talent and that equates to 108 graduate placements, 160 apprenticeships and 29 trainee positions. So the total percentage of our workforce in what we call earn and learn positions has risen to over 6%. So we've, we're, we're way over our target for 5%. And this is a figure that we, we intend to, to improve upon because it's something we so passionately believe in. Apprenticeships that we have um, currently live, we've got over 200 apprenticeships um, live on our system at the moment, and we're building on those all of the time. Um, so at the moment, we've got level two intermediate apprenticeship um, in highways, maintenance and welding. We've got level three advanced apprenticeships in digital project delivery, rail engineering, materials engineer, HS&E, finance, business administration and electrician. We've got level four higher apprenticeship in quantity surveying, construction, site engineer, electrical engineer, project management, data analyst, analyst procurement and site supervisor. And level six degree apprenticeship for civil, enge civil engineering, quantity surveyor, Envi environmental engineer. If any of this appeals to you, um, I have to say, I know I sound massively biased, but construction is such an exciting industry to be part of. You've got the opportunity to work on so many diverse projects. I've been working in construction for two years, uh, sorry, four years. Um, I started off working on the RAF Marham project um, and that then have started, then I'm working on this project um, for flood defence. So as you can see, in, in four years, I've worked on two very, very different projects. And the most exciting thing about construction is that you can see that you're actually shaping the world around you. You're, you. You can look at the end of your project and think, you can see it, you can see it develop from, from the ground upwards. And at the end of it, you can say, I, I was part of that. I helped develop that. And it gives you a massive sense of achievement. Um, if you have a look at our website, uh, Balfour Beatty's careers forward slash early careers. There, if there are any parents and teachers out there who'd like answers to questions, we also have a parents and teachers page, um, early careers forward slash parents and teachers. Um, but also, if there's any information you want on any of our schemes, and we've got a fabulous emerging talent team who would be really delighted to help you out. Um, there, if you get contact them on their email address, which is emerging.talent at balfourbt.com. Nikki Payne of Balfour BT. We were very fortunate to have Balfour BT on our apprenticeships podcast for episodes 12, 13 and 14. So please do check those out. We'd like to take a break just to ask you to help us with some feedback. We aim to raise higher education aspirations in as many young people as possible, so your feedback will be welcome. To do this at your own convenience, please visit tinyurl.com slash tyapod. If you missed that, not to worry, you can find the link in the description. Thank you. Now back to the podcast. So you've heard from two employers, but now let's hear from a training provider. On the Friday of National Apprenticeships Week, we heard from Joe Taylor, who is Head of Apprenticeships at the University of Suffolk. Apprenticeships must receive, so the employer will give um, the apprentice time up, time off for training and study, study during the working week, which is related to their role. So this is the 20% that we were talking about, and it's approximately 20% of the normal working hours. Um, obviously, depending on the level of apprenticeship, um, depends on the duration. So we say it takes between one to five years. 
um, in some of the construction um, sectors that I've worked in previously, some of those apprenticeships are only a year. Um, and obviously, it, as you go on to do a higher apprenticeship, they tend to get a little bit longer because obviously the academic criteria is a little, little bit more demanding. Um, and at the end of the uh, practical learning period um, with the training provider, apprenticeships were entered into um, a gateway process. Um, so they've completed all their elements and then they're ready for an endpoint assessment, which is either an external assessment or an integrated one. So if I use the um, university as an example, we have both integrated and external endpoint assessments. And that basically means that if it's integrated, although we do it as part of the university, um, someone that has, uh, has still got occupational competency and is familiar with that uh, sector specific will conduct that endpoint assessment, but they wouldn't have taught you on the programme. That's the stipulation. If it's an external endpoint assessment, that would mean uh, uh, an organisation that's registered as an endpoint assessment organisation, which actually would undertake that assessment. So that, although that is a formal assessment process, it can be um, an examination, it can be a panel interview, it can be a portfolio. Um, it's very much a practical um, element that's alongside what you would have learnt as part of your apprenticeship. So that's a bit of a whistle-stop tour um, about the statutory elements um, of an apprenticeship and an apprenticeship journey. So for the University of Suffolk, we only engage, we don't take individual applications from students in relation to apprenticeships. We actually source those with the employers that we work with. So your first point of call would be to get gain the job as an apprentice, and then you would uh, join as a student of University of Suffolk on an apprenticeship programme. Um, one of the most important things is that if you are unsure about what sort of direction you would wish to take um, and you think I would uh, like a career um, as a veterinary nurse, um, for instance, but I don't know if there's an apprenticeship for it, I would signpost people to the Institute for Apprenticeships so you can see if there is a current standard available. So that's not necessarily the qualification, it's the standard that the training provider would work to. So if you go onto the Institute for Apprenticeships, you can put some keywords in there, search for veterinary nurse or um, I don't know, um, theatre production assistant or something like that, whatever you're interested in, and it should bring you up a list of um, uh, apprenticeships that are approved. Um, and you can also search for training providers in your area that um, are actively delivering those apprenticeships. We've got some information obviously on our website, which is um, uos.ac.uk. Um, that will give you um, some information on some of those higher uh, degree apprenticeships and postgraduate um, apprenticeships that we offer. Um, but more importantly, is to, uh, to search employer websites as well as media ones. Um, a lot of people think that apprenticeships only start in September, which is not the case at all. I would choose 
to start my research as soon as possible um, because as and when apprenticeships are made available employers will uh, notoriously post them on their on their uh, their own website anyway under their vacancies and obviously there's many to, that you can see that come up in the media so um, obviously if uh, the local media that we use um, if anybody is uh, advertising, you would be able to source from there. And it would always say trainee or an apprenticeship position that would be attached to it. And just to reiterate that the, the University of Suffolk engage with the employer rather than taking applications for apprentices from an individual. So we work with the likes of BT, the National Health Service, um, and many other organisations, and we will source the apprenticeships from them. Um, and nine times out of 10, they will put them on the, their employer websites, they will speak to us, and then they will say, we have X amount of apprenticeships that we, apprentices that we wish to send to you, and we're going to send them to you on, on these dates. So that's how we engage with our apprentices. So we've heard from two of the three points of the apprenticeship triangle. There's one missing, the apprentice themselves. For National Apprenticeships Week, my colleague Rio interviewed Luke Mendel. Luke completed a higher apprenticeship level four BCS diploma in business analysis. And in January of this year, he completed his apprenticeship and is now a full-time employee with Direct Line Group. Uh, my name's Luke. I went to Holbrook Academy, um, obviously in Suffolk. Um, I've completed two apprenticeships, both for the same organisation. Um, so I started my first one in November of 2016, which was providing financial services and customer services. Um, and then I started my second one in around September of 2019, uh, which was the IS business analyst. And that was a level four apprenticeship. I went to college for, for a month or so and every day I had to get there quite early and just, you know, wasn't really too into it. It wasn't really my thing, didn't fit with me. Um, and I'd never really planned on going to uni. I never really considered the idea, but I looked on the um, government website and sort of saw this. This was actually the first one I applied for, believe it or not. And it was substantially more pay than most apprenticeships. So I was quite lucky as well. Um, but yeah, the idea that drew me to it was I've never been a huge fan of traditional learning. I like just getting hands on and just doing things. There were a few rounds of interviews I had to go through. Um, I think there was initially like um, I think I had two two rounds of phone call interviews, which were basic questions, I think aptitude tests and so on. Um, and then after that, I had a face to face interview, um, which, yeah, that was a good chance to sort of prove like, you know, <laughs> well and yeah, portray what I wanted to do. And I, I think I made it clear from the start that as an apprentice, I wanted to sort of join for a career. I wasn't just there to sort of do the job and go home once sort of go the extra mile and my top tip is just just apply you know never be put off because yeah. when I first saw the apprenticeship I, I know I've mentioned it but even my mum was like because just mainly the pay the pay was what put me off it was like oh this is above average for an apprenticeship pay it's you know it must be aimed at older people and, and so on because I was 60 I think I turned 17 when I just as I started um so yeah I, I'd say you you lose nothing by applying um and I think you know believe in yourself and be confident um, I think be honest as well. One of the common myths that um, lots of people have surrounding apprenticeships is, you know, I'll just be making tea and coffee. I won't have any real responsibilities. So could you talk about maybe the roles that you had as an apprentice and the kind of responsibilities that were given to you? Yeah, sure. So I, I started initially uh, in a call centre on the phone um, doing sort of frontline insurance. Um, 
and we we went through exactly the same standard training as anyone else would go through sort of six months of, of that and then you go into the phone and talk to people and handle that um and even I think when I was still on my apprenticeship because I was so persistent so I want to move up I was at a point where I was sort of covering teams when team leaders were ill or you know doing overtime and sort of stuff like that which was you know just trying to make myself um improve my profile within the company but there I've, I've always been treated as a business analyst from the start I've, I've never been you know no one's ever talked down to me um signature of my email has always said you know Luke Bendel business analyst um and if I have questions people are always there to help me but I think yeah I've just been sort of thrown in at the deep end you know doing something I haven't been making tea I haven't been you know doing small talk I, when I first started like the first three week or so the workload was a bit light but that was because I, I don't know maybe they weren't expecting me to put in as much effort um but yeah the first week I ended up going home, home sort of a few hours early a few days um but yeah after a few months it was just very much what a normal BA would do working with colleagues in different areas have my own responsibilities um different commitments so in, in the call center you're very much you know you clock in you do your hours you clock out and that's why the sort of three and a half hours are allocated within my other role I've been sort of really free to you know, I can either take it when I want, I can, you know, book a slot in my diary. Um, as long as I'm not taking the biscuit and going crazy of my time, then it's fine. And I've always got my work done and, and stuff like that. Um, but the main difference between the level four was I had specific week, sort of like week long courses where I would um, sort of go into London um, and have a sort of like a classroom style course. And then at the end of that, complete an exam um, for a sort of separate certificate, which then went towards my end diploma. Apprenticeship Week, we hosted drop-in sessions during lunchtime so that students could pop by and ask our hiring degree apprenticeship champions any questions they had surrounding apprenticeships. We were really pleased that students took advantage of this opportunity and asked some really interesting questions. We had questions such as, what actually is an apprenticeship? Which was great as we were able to talk about the way an apprenticeship works and why they can be a really beneficial route to consider. Some students were particularly interested in getting more information on where to start their search. And this meant we were able to go through a list of some of the key websites that you should have on your radar, such as the Government Find an Apprenticeship webpage, UCAS apprenticeship pages, as well as employer careers pages and recruitment websites too. Other students are specifically about the application process. For example, is it necessary to have a good CV and covering letter, which it is. We also spoke with some students about writing to employers speculatively and asking the employer about whether they would support you to do an apprenticeship, even if that employer isn't specifically advertising for an apprenticeship vacancy. And finally, there were also questions for students who weren't exactly certain which job role they'd be interested in. If this is the case for you, we'd encourage you to look at job roles on the Apprenticeship Institute standards list to see if anything matches your interests and passions, and maybe to look at work experience in different sectors, as well as attend employer talks and webinars. Hello, my name is Jenna and I work as part of the NECO team at City College Norwich. We had a lovely apprenticeships week. We started off the week reminding our students about exactly what an apprenticeship is, the different levels on offer and how they can apply for apprenticeships as well, specifically focusing on those higher and degree apprenticeship opportunities. 
We then heard from various employers, including Flagship, who let us know about their level four up to level six degree apprenticeships, including their level four in housing policy and practice. We heard from UCP Zeller, who told us about their engineering apprenticeship opportunities, including the possibility for their apprentices to do the HNC in engineering. And we heard from Norfolk and Suffolk Care Support, um, enabling students to think about how they might do higher level apprenticeships to become a nurse. And finally, we also spoke to Aviva, who mentioned about their um, high level apprenticeship opportunities in business and IT, including the data analyst role. We finished off the week just reminding students about those key application tips that will really help support them apply for those apprenticeship opportunities. My NECO colleagues, Rio and Jenna. Thank you very much for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you did find it very, very useful. There'll be plenty of videos and podcast episodes stemming out of National Apprenticeship Week. So the best way to keep in touch with all that and our offerings is to keep an eye on our Take Your Place website at takeyourplace.ac.uk. Also, you can speak to your school's careers advisor as your school's NECO Higher Education Champion will keep them up to date with everything that we put out there and everything that we offer. My name is Kit and thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening and don't forget to subscribe to our future podcasts at soundcloud.com slash takeyourplace or on your favourite podcasting app. You can also find us on Instagram where we are at takeyourplace underscore he, on Twitter at takeyourplacehe and on Facebook at facebook.com slash takeyourplacehe. You can also email us with any questions, requests or just to let us know what you think on info at takeyourplace.ac.uk. We very much welcome your feedback on this podcast episode. This will also help us to raise higher education aspirations in as many young people as possible. To do this, please visit tinyurl.com forward slash tyapod. That's tinyurl.com forward slash tyapod. You can find the link also in the description.